Church, I wanna invite you to pray with me. And at the end of this prayer, I'll invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer. Those words will be on the screen as we get to that. Let's pray. Look upon us, Jesus, and we will never be the same. Capture us in your gaze today, God. In Jesus Christ, we can look for transformation that is beyond anything that we have hoped for or imagined. And God, we we come to this time, um, we've been scattered, God. We've been scattered in so many places and we've been scattered in our hearts, in our own hearts. We've been, we're scattered in places online. We're scattered in places in this room. And God, you have drawn your church together. Gather us together, God. Gather our hearts together. Wherever we are in this moment, gather us together with your church as we look to Jesus that we might not ever be the same. And together, God, as the gathered church, we lift up this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, praying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hey, my name is Mark Youngman. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. So glad for all of you who are joining us here in the room and those of you who are, are joining us online. One of the greatest things about being a pastor and particularly being a pastor here at Providence Church is that on a, regu- on a very regular basis, I get to sit down with folks, so many of you, who have come to Providence Church from just wherever you came from and, and have this sense that I think God brought me here. <laughs> and in the course of being able to share together, I mean, like on a weekly basis, I hear this. <laughs> I hear this from young people and from, from older people that Jesus changed my life in a way. And, and so even part of being here is Jesus changing my life, like on a regular basis. Like it doesn't, it doesn't get old. Like I'll just be a pastor here forever, okay? If we keep having those conversations about how Jesus is changing lives. I kind of grew up in what I call like incremental Christianity, you know, like I was always in the church. And so it was kind of like bit by bit by bit in my faith. And ordinarily, I think that's kind of how it works in our faith a lot of the times, like bit by bit. But sometimes there's this like extraordinary movement of God that we get to witness and point to together. It's like an extraordinary thing. And like it happens and it happens sometimes in a moment, like Jesus looks at us and there's transformation that's taking place and Jesus is, is changing lives. And so today, what I hope is that by the end of our time together, that you might uh, remember or even kind of imagine or anticipate Jesus showing up in the waters of baptism. So that's kind of our starting point today, okay? In the first message of this series uh, called Jesus Changed My Life, Pastor Jacob introduced us to this character. His name was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is like a really, really interesting dude, Um, He's got kind of like this rock star kind of mentality going about him, right? Like he's, you know, he's kind of aloof on one hand, but on the other hand, he actually really likes the crowd, right? So that, he's kind of got that, that vibe going, you know? And I don't really know what else to say about him. He's just like, he's a different kind of, you know, walks to a different beat or whatever. The phrase, he, he was an eccentric, eccentric guy. The Gospel of Mark tells us that he clothed himself 
in camel's hair. I don't know anybody today who's wearing camel's hair. He was wearing camel's hair, and he had a leather strap around his waist, and he was eating locusts and honey. I mean, like, I, like, I like a good honey. You know, honey is good. Honey can make almost anything good, but I'm going to like maybe draw the line before locusts, before crunchy insects. <laughs> this guy was different. It's what I'm trying to say to you. And, and, and if anyone was ever a prime candidate to have an identity crisis, I think it would be somebody like, like John the Baptist, right? He was, when he comes face to face with Jesus, like he's been carrying this identity of who he is and he's a prophet and he's just kind of got this thing going. When he comes face to face with Jesus, he could have had an identity crisis. He's the kind of guy that I think if he was around today, we would probably give him a primetime like reality show and we would just, we'd become obsessed with him, right? We would watch him all the time. We would be just be intrigued by his every move and his every tweet on Twitter and we would just know what this guy was up to. Now, he was called John the Baptist because he was known for baptizing people in, in water, right? So he was, he was kind of giving them this baptism that was like a washing. It was a sense of being, being made clean. And he knew that he was doing that to prepare them for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus, who was coming after him, was, was announcing, right? And he seemed to know this, but he had people around him who were like pushing them to start up. He had people around him that were saying, you could be great, you could be even greater. You could, have, you could draw bigger crowds, right? You could, this could happen for you. <laughs> I imagine there's this one time where he was just kind of having that in his face and he saw the people that were saying these things to him and he looked over their shoulders and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he said that to these people, and I don't know if they knew what he meant, but he was talking about Jesus, and he was like, look, the, the Lamb of God, they would understand that. They understood, like, the idea of sacrifice and something coming for you. And he's like, this, this is the one who can take away the sins of the world. And people were, at the time were looking for this. They were looking for a rescuer at that time, and maybe the same is true today. They were looking for somebody to take them out of this situation that they were in. And honestly, I think that's why they were so attracted to John the Baptist in the first place. Like, he was drawing crowds because people thought that he could make them clean. And he said, I've been getting you prepared for this moment, but the rescuer that you're actually looking for, the rescuer rescuer that you actually need is that guy. (laughs) So the identity crisis that John was facing was actually not his own. It was other people's identity crisis um, placed on him. You know, I think a lot of the ickiness that we uh, experience in the world today can be traced to an identity crisis of sorts. You know, it's really easy to get caught up in outside definitions of you. Like there are many voices out there that are going to want to tell you who you are or who you ought to be. We get it all the time. The messaging is really strong, right? And I think it's actually really important to like, figure out who you are. I'm all, I'm all about that. You know, it, it, self-discovery is great. Like we have uh, on our website right now, we have um, like an inventory to learn your spiritual gifts. We talk about the Enneagram sometimes. We, we talk about the Myers-Briggs. You know, like there's all these different ways where you can kind of discover and learn more about who you are. And I think that that's really important. But here's what I've come to believe ultimately is if you really want to know who you are, If you really want to know who you're meant to be, you have to look to Jesus. And and Jesus, that's where where you'll find your true identity. So to answer the question, who am I? We really need to ask, who is he? So the very next day after that scene, when when John looks over the shoulder and he says, 
There's the Lamb of God. He's talking with a couple of his disciples. He looks up again. Jesus is walking towards them. Jesus, Jesus is walking towards them. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's repeating himself, right? So what does this mean for us today? I, I kind of imagine like um, we could be in a scenario where, where someone comes to us and says, what do you think about the current political climate in our country? And we'd be like, not great, but look, <laughs> the Lamb of God <laughs> who takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> Someone could come to you and say, what do you think about the stock market's performance today? And you'd be like, fine, but look, <laughs> the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Someone could ask you, like, what's your stance on Bitcoin? Like, great, buy it, don't buy it. <laughs> look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why aren't you paying attention to all, spending so much time on all these other things, all these other things being brought before you? Because look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is walking towards us. I've been saying that to myself all week because I, I heard John the Baptist repeating it. So I thought maybe it's a good idea to repeat that every day. If I could remember to repeat it every day, the Lamb of God, look, the Lamb of God, like for myself, this is like for me. Sometimes we have to be repetitive because what we're talking about really matters. One time I was walking with a, a hiking with a group of youth. We were in the mountains of northern New Mexico. And I was walking with a couple of guys and we kind of got up to this rise that had this beautiful view, like as far as you could see, the mountains, the desert. It was, it was gorgeous. And I just, I just remember saying, isn't God amazing? <laughs> And there was one, actually one of my favorite kids in, in the youth group. He was awesome. I think he was really smart. He went into political science, I think. And he was like, they're mountains. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I, I, I felt the challenge, right? So the whole rest of the trip, I'm like, look at that sunset. Isn't God awesome? <laughs> He's like, it's a sunset. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's a, it's a sunset. It's like, sometimes we have to repeat things because it's important to repeat them to point out what is true. And then we can't make our identity about something less than what is true. So John knew all these, these things about Jesus because he was a prophet. That's how he knew. We can know it because of what happens next in the story. Here's what happens next in the, in the story. It's from Matthew 3, the New Living Translation. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. This is the part right here next that tells us, that tells us why he had to do it. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens, like listen to this part, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. <laughs> this, is my, this is my favorite version of the story right here. I'll show it to you on the screen. This is a picture from the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's, it's going to just always be one of my favorites. It looks like a children's Bible because, I mean, it's supposed to be. But uh, when we read this at home, I read, and I, when I read this just a moment ago, like, I, I can't help but, like, 
I get into the story because, it, because it's true and every single part of the story points to Jesus. Well, so every time I have a young person come to me to talk to me about baptism, um, which happens often because God does amazing things here in Providence Kids is, is incredible. And, and so like we'll have, we'll have a conversation and I always get this book out because it's, it's my favorite just kind of images of the baptism of Jesus. And here's what it says um, on this, in this part of the story. It says, suddenly... It was as if someone had drawn back curtains in a dark room, as if heaven itself had opened, because a beautiful light broke through the clouds and shone down onto Jesus, bathing him in gold. Beads of water glittered and sparkled like tiny diamonds in his hair. A white dove flew down and gently rested on Jesus, and a voice came down from heaven. It was clear and strong and loud so everyone could hear This is my son, and I love him, and I'm very pleased with him. And then God said, listen to him. Heaven had broken through. The great rescue had begun. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. So I like to share that story with with kids, and then I sneak a a peek myself (laughs) every once in a while. And it's my favorite telling of Jesus' baptism, and I love to share it with kids because I like to be able to stop and say, what happened in that story, just in that last part of the story? Like, what did they see, right? What did they hear? What happened? So what they, what they saw was the heavens were opened up. So Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending down upon him. And the people heard the voice, a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I delight, is another translation, or who am I, I take joy there's something in this that I want young people and I want for all of us to learn about God here so that we can learn the most important things about ourselves. See what we're doing there? Like we're learning about God so we can learn about ourselves. So God first, in this moment, in the story, in in this one place, we see the Holy Spirit showing up as a dove. We hear the voice of God, the Father speaking from the heavens, and we see the Son of God coming up out of the water. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, there's another time where we see that in the scripture as well. I think probably multiple times, but there's another one that just kind of stands out to me. And that's in Genesis, the creation of the world, right? In that story, the spirit was hovering over the water. God, the father created, and Jesus is the one through whom all things were created. So the, the triune God, God is three in one, were present then. So the fullness of God was present at, at creation, The fullness of God was present at Jesus' baptism, and the fullness of God, guess what, is present at your baptism as well. (laughs) One one time I was baptizing this little girl, and her slightly older sister was standing next to us, and they both had heard the whole story. We we, We talked it all through. In fact, the older sister had been baptized a year before. Well, the older sister missed her little sister's baptism that day. She didn't see it. You know why? She was looking up at the ceiling of the church. <laughs> you know why she was looking up at the ceiling of the church? Because <laughs> I said, all the things that happened in that story of Jesus' baptism happen in our baptism as well. She was looking for the dove. <laughs> she was looking for the dove. I love that little girl's heart for God. Like her, I believe it. <laughs> I still haven't seen an actual dove represent the Holy Spirit at a baptism. But you know what? At Providence Church, God does some pretty crazy things, and it wouldn't surprise me all that much if a dove kind of arrived one time. 
I'm going to keep looking for it. <laughs> so I share these stories with young people and for the same reason I'm sharing them with you today, so that you will know about God's heart for you. So just, just, just in case, okay, like just in case you didn't know these things, we're just going to review them. There's actually four things that this story kind of lift up for me that I just want to make sure that we hear. The first one is that God wants to give you his spirit. That's like the generosity of God. God wants to give you his spirit. The spirit of God is the engine for the life of someone who loves God. The spirit gives you power and wisdom that is way beyond what you can do all on your own. The spirit of God gives you gifts to live out your specific calling. God wants to give you his spirit. God wants you to know who you are in Jesus Christ. This is that identity thing, right? God is naming you in baptism in a way that overshadows or even removes all of the other false identities that have been laid upon you or you might have even picked up for yourself along the way. Before everything else, you are in Christ Jesus. That's your identity. And God wants you to know that you are his beloved child in whom he delights. That's my favorite part. In God delights we, we bring joy to the heart of God. That makes it feel like we've got a lot of power to be able to do that. Most of us spent our early years, you know, trying to grow up and be like an adult. And then when we got there, we were like, you know, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> I kind of liked having somebody provide things for me. There's actually even a little bit of a strangely like a freedom in that. So hear it in that way. You are his beloved son or daughter. And can you imagine that by just living into that identity, you are bringing joy to the heart of God? This last one, this is actually maybe my, my favorite imagery part of this one. All these things are true, and God would rip open the heavens to let you know that these things are true. He didn't just do it in Jesus' baptism. Like the heavens open up so that we can receive the Spirit of God and hear from God. Now, the only reason it's possible for you to actually know these things are true is because Jesus himself emptied himself. That's what the Bible tells us. Jesus emptied himself. In Philippians 2, it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Like the, the language of that just means he emptied himself. He, he was God. <laughs> he emptied himself so that he could be with us. It says, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus right here, he's, he demonstrated for us like a, a risky kind of vulnerability, that doesn't make sense for, for the divine to do for us. Because we think of God like being kind of far off sometimes and, and Jesus just kind of blew that whole thing away. Jesus demonstrated this risky vulnerability, not because he needed it, but because we do. You know, we need a savior who is willing to empty himself out. Jesus made himself nothing so that we could be lifted up with him. Next part of, of Philippians 2 says, therefore, because, because of the lowering of Jesus, therefore God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name. I don't know if you noticed this, but this is like the pattern with Jesus. You'll hear it again in Advent, like we're heading into Christmas, right? The pattern of Jesus is that Jesus gets low. He humbles himself. He stoops down to be on our level so that he can look us in the eye and know our condition and say, hey, let's be lifted up to life. God came down so that we could be brought up. Like God came into the messiness. God stepped into this divided world, this place of of violence and threats of war and, and the pandemic itself so that we could be lifted up so that we could be rescued, so that we could know once again who we really are. Who we really, we, we've, some of us have forgotten, right? Who we really are in Christ. So I wanna to say to you today, if you're ready to claim your identity in Christ and you wanna be raised up to the fullness of life forever with God, then you're gonna to wanna to participate in the submission of your life to his life. And what that looks like inwardly is kind of difficult to say and and just to spell out in a few words because it's something that we like live out our our entire life. It's actually, it's why we need the church. It's it's why we need each other. We're, We're going in a long obedience in the same direction together. But outwardly, outwardly, you can participate in his resurrection life by participating in a sign of his suffering. For us, that's what the waters of baptism can represent going under the water, and for a brief moment, it feels like a tomb, but then you burst up out of the water into new life. New life is possible for you. So just a simple question, do you desire new life or do you desire a return to new life? That's also possible for you once you know that. You can recommit or you can be baptized by immersion or sprinkling at our baptism service, which is happening next Thursday night, right here in this room. You can, you can indicate you're interested in that by going to prob.church slash sign up. And today might, be, today might be your day. Today might be your time of saying, the spirit of God is searching for me. <laughs> God knows my name and is calling out to me and I wanna respond. And so I'm gonna invite you to pray with me right now. Just pray pray these, these words with me. You can pray them in your heart. Jesus, I desire to give you my life. I need your Holy Spirit. I wanna hear you call me your child. I wanna bring you joy. I want you to delight in me. So God, would you rip open the heavens to meet me in the waters of baptism? In Jesus' name we pray. If you're worshiping with us online, again, you can go to prob.church slash sign up. If you're here in the room and, and want to respond to, to the call to the waters of baptism, Pastor Jacob's going to have a clipboard right over here where you can sign your name and we'll reach out to you to let you know what to do for next week. We hope that, that you'll, you'll be listening to the Spirit of God.